Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Well, all right, anybody excited about the Word of God? Come on, I need, I need two people really, really excited. Amen. 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 Father, we just we thank you, God, for everything that you've done. We thank you for your anointed word of promise. May we receive it today. May we be changed by it today. May, may we grow in it today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, I'm excited. Here it is. Let me start. I'd like to start with a quote. Today I found kind of a, uh, just kind of a reading, and I just want to read that to you. It's called The Modern Paradox. And here's the modern paradox. We have taller buildings but shorter tempers, wider freeways but narrower viewpoints. We spend more but have less. We buy more but enjoy it less. We have bigger houses but smaller families, more conveniences but less time. We have more degrees but less sense, more knowledge but less judgment, more experts but more problems, more medicine but less wellness. We have multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We talk too much, love too little and hate too often. We learn how to make a living but not a life. We've added years to life but not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back but we have trouble crossing the street to meet the neighbor. We've conquered outer space but not inner space. We all have my space. We've cleaned up the air but polluted the soul. We've split the atom but not our prejudice. We have higher incomes but lower morals. <coughs> Am I saying anything yet? These are the times of tall men and short character. More leisure but less fun. More kinds of food but less nutrition. These are the days of two incomes but more divorce. Fancier houses but broken homes. It is the time when there is much in the show window but nothing in the stock room. Whoa. What in the world is going on? Well, if you're just joining us today, we've been going through the book of Daniel. And man, God has some incredible insight in the book of Daniel. Let me tell you, it has not been an easy book to preach from. But, and, and, and you can catch all of the, the messages and everything that God has spoken to us um, on, on the web. You can just download those if you want to catch up. But if you're just joining us, we're, we're in the book of Daniel. And interestingly enough, the book of Daniel has a lot to say about what's going on in our world today. See, I love, that's what I, I, I love about the Word of God is that we can read about somebody that wore batas and robes and it still has something to say to us today. Anybody? Yeah? Like, it, do you understand that like, we're not going through the novella and, and, and just reading a novella for, for, because that's what we should do? We're reading something, it's called the book of life, right? We're reading something that has something, that, an effect on our life today. Okay? So I, I'm, I, I think it's crucial, critical even, Listen to this, that the body of Christ will stop hiding in our fancy buildings and recognize that we are the salt and light of the world. 
I was talking to our young people in chapel this week, and, and I just wanted to hit them with that. I said, do you know that you're the salt and light of this world? Do you know that if, if, if the people around you don't get it, it's, it's on you? Like God didn't have a backup plan. You are the only plan. We are the only plan that God had to be the salt and light of the world. If we don't do it, it don't happen. You understand that? If we don't do it, it don't happen. So it's time that we stop hiding in our buildings, lock ourselves in our buildings, and having this bless me club, and miss the entire plan and purpose that God has for each and every one of us. Amen? We need to get together. Don't get me wrong. We need to come together. We need to assemble like this so that we can worship corporately, so that we can hear the word corporately, so that we can pray corporately. But the focus, the point of it all is that we, we, we come together to get built up, that we would come together to get strong, that we come together to get poured into, amen, that we would come together to recharge. How many of you get recharged on Sunday? Amen. I know I do. I get recharged on Sunday. And, and, and so, but, but, but listen to this. If we come here to get recharged, if the church is a recharging station, then that means whatever it is we're charging, listen, this is real deep. Whatever it is we're charging needs to be something that we're using. If we're charging something up, it needs, it, how many of you see the kids have all their PSPs plugged into the side wall over there? I'm going to start charging for that. Right? During worship, all the PSPs are plugged in. It's like a charging station. Well, why are they charging them? Because they want to use them. Amen? Not that I want them to be used here, but that's a whole other thing. They, they're charging them because they know that if I get them charged up, then I could use them. They could be of use. You understand where I'm, where I'm going? So, and I, 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 read, I, I read actually that there's a lot of types of battery that if you if you're always keep a battery charged and you're always charging the battery, you actually shorten the life of the battery. Some batteries need to be fully empty, fully discharged, emptied of all power in order that they can carry a full load again. To use another crude illustration, what would happen if we ate and ate and ate and ate and never, never emptied ourselves? Well, see, amen. Backed up Christianity smells just as bad. See, if we're going to understand the Word of God and the purposes of God, we need to see this, that once it gets to us and once it gets in us, it's no longer about us. Oh, come on, we need to get this. I, I drew five little stars next to this on my notes. That means that's the most important thing I want to say today. Once, we, once it gets to us and once it gets in us, it's no longer about us. If you want something, then give something. If you want to be filled up, then you got to empty yourself. If you want your batteries charged up, then you need to be fully discharged. Let me give you an example. I got a new phone recently, and I love this phone. 
I love this phone. It does everything I could ask, except maybe make a cup of coffee. But there's probably an app for that. And, and it, it, does, it does everything that I, you could want in a phone. This thing does everything. One thing I hate about it, the more I use it, the quicker the battery runs down. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. If you get one of those fancy phones, you got three hours tops. Right? And it's dead. And so the more I use it, the quicker the battery runs down. So if I'm doing, but listen, if I'm not doing anything, the battery lasts a lot longer. But nothing's getting done. So, so you understand the balance. If, I'm, if I use it and use it and use it, the battery runs down, but things are getting done. If, if I want the battery to last, see, a lot, there's too many Christians that want the battery to last. There's too many, too many Christians that just want, they want to get charged up and they want it to last three months. I don't, I don't want to have to go back to church for three weeks. I want it to last. And so that means you have to be conservative, right? And that means you can't really do anything. You can't really exercise anything. You can't walk in the power because if you use the power, the battery runs down. And you don't want to have to go plug it in again. Are you following me? So I call this my cell phone theology. If it, 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 my cell phone theology is, this, is that if I want to use it for everything that it does, see, I want to make the most of this phone, right? Because why have such a such a, a, a fancy phone if you're not going to use it all, right? I might as well have just stay with the flip. Hello, goodbye. Right? But if I want to use it for all of this stuff, and and I do see, I want to use it to talk to people because that's what it was made for. I want to use it to get directions. It has a GPS because that's what it was made for. I want to use it to send messages to people because that's what it was made for. When I'm lost, I want to use it to find myself because that's what it was made for. I want to use it to play games, to have fun, to download totally useless apps because that's what it was made for. See, you and I were made for that. Can, can, can you get this today? You and I were made for that. See, some of you think that, you know, you're doctors and, and teachers and educators, and you think you were made for that. No, that's what God had blessed you and given you the anointing to do. But that's not what you were made for. You, you follow me? I don't want, I'm not going to tell anybody to leave their careers. Listen, if God has given you a career that you're walking in, that's what God has anointed you to do. But that's not what you were made for. What were you made for? You were made to be the salt and light of this world. You were made to worship God. You were made to praise God. You were made to be, to be a bodily example of God on earth. You were made for communion communion with God. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, go and make disciples of all nations. We were made for that. We were made for that. We were made to, to talk to people, to send messages, to get and give directions, to have a life and have it to the fullest. How many of you know we were made to have fun too? Amen? There's too many sour looking men and women of God. Who would want to be like you if you're not a fun person to be like? Amen? See, I don't know anybody that's as fun to be with as me. I'm a fun person to be with. And we're hanging out, we're going to have a good time. Amen? Anybody ever hung out with me? Come on, build me up a little bit. Help me out. I, we have fun. Amen? 
I joke on people like everybody else, better than some people do, right? And I, I mean, I have, we were made to have life and have it to the fullest, amen? I don't, we don't walk around, if you're hanging out with me, we don't walk around, shandobar, 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 Santo! Like, you know, the, the light changes. Santo, the light is green so I can walk. No, I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying? We were made to have life and have it to the fullest. We were made for that. Say amen. amen. But the more that we use it, the quicker the battery runs down. So what I've learned from this is that if I'm going to get the most out of it, and, and those of you that have been in ministry for two hours, you know this. If I'm going to use it to get the most out of it, if I'm going to do everything that, I can, that, 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 you know, that it can do, if I'm going to really use it, I'm going to need to have more ways to charge my battery. Some of you need to receive it. Bless you. If, if, if I'm going to do everything that it can do, I'm going to need to have more ways to charge my battery. See, when I'm in the office, I plug it in at work. I have a way to charge it at work. When I'm at home, I plug it in. I have a way to charge it at home. When I'm in the car, I just ordered it on eBay real cheap. I, I'm getting a charger so that when I'm in the car, I have a way to plug it in in the car. See, we need to find new ways to recharge ourselves. Amen? Whoa. See, because I also read that when you run down a battery too many times, you burn it out. Those of you in ministry know what I'm talking about. I hope that got spiritual to somebody. I'm not just talking about my G1. I'm talking about my walk with the G1. Amen? I know that was corny, but I had to put it. I had to use it. We need to have our ways to get charged up. And, but the only time we're going to need charging is if we're actually doing anything. Amen? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to show you from the book of Daniel what's going on in this world, how it affects us, and what we need to be doing. Because when it comes to being the salt and light of this world, we were made for that. Say amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, you can... Start cracking them open. Some of you need a little more time to find Daniel. We left off where Daniel realized through reading the word of God that the time was coming for the promise of God to be fulfilled. And we left off there that because God promised it, Daniel prayed. And, and in last week's message, because he promised, we saw that. And listen, let me, let me get you to this in case you didn't get this. Because this, this will change your life. It's changing the way I'm seeing things, and I'm in ministry 20 years. God's promises give us permission to pray. This is so good. I've never heard this before. Listen. God's promises, if He promised it, He gives us permission to pray for it. Let me... Let me bring it home to you so you really understand this. Parents, how many times have you told your kid, yeah, yeah, oh, okay, papi, okay, okay, okay. As soon as we finish this, we'll do that. How many times have you told your kid, okay, okay, if you get a 90, if you pass that class, I'll buy you that. Right? Some of you thinking that he's never going to pass that class, so I'm all right. Some of you thinking that this will never happen, so I'm all right. Right? I'm not even saying that we did it like a good parent. Sometimes we use that as a, okay, okay, listen. If this happens, then, then, okay, papito, if you do this, then we'll do that. And how many times have your kids come back to you and said, okay, 
We did it. Buy it. Right? How many times have your kids come back to you and said, Papi, you promised. You promised. You said that it, when we finished this, you were going to take me. You said that when, we, when this passed, that you were going to do this. Now, why can the child come so boldly to you and insist and insist and insist? Why? Because you promised. You gave them permission to pursue you. Oh, come on, man. Come on. You gave them permission, and, and you can't say nothing now, right? If you're a good parent, come on. If you're half a good parent, you're going to say, okay. Eventually, after they wear you down. How many kids do you know that if you said, okay, when this happens, fine. If this, then I'll buy you that. And they never come back and ask you. How many? Very, I don't know any kids like that, right? No, why? You promise, so they're going to come after you. How come then when we grow up, we don't do it as kids with our daddies, how come when we grow up, we just sit around waiting for God's promises? God promised. So if God promised, we need to pursue. I'm tired of talking to Christians and men and women of God that say, I don't know, God promised me, but it never happened. God promised he was going to do this, but he didn't do it. God promised I was going to be, you know, God was, I was going to be an entrepreneur, but, but it didn't happen. God promised I have my own business, but it didn't happen. Could it be that you dropped out of school and you're still waiting for God's promises so you don't own a business? Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't. God gives us a promise. It just gives us permission to pursue it. It just gives us the promise to pray. Do you understand? So, it, it, listen, let me just revive any promises that God has ever given you. Start today and say, God, I'm pursuing it. I know it's been 10 years. I know it's been 15 years. But God, you promised. I just woke up. I just had a revelation. Papi, you told me this was going to happen. I'm going to start today. Amen? Come on. Woo! All right, let's finally finish chapter 9. I've been trying to get past this for three weeks. Chapter 9 is difficult. The end is, is rough. So I'm going to ask that you stay alert and, and, and get with me. If you need to lean up in your seats a little bit, lean up. I don't want you to fall asleep because I will shout you out and embarrass you. So, so just lean, lean forward and just kind of get this, all right? This is, get, get through the end. Let's read chapter 9, Daniel 9, 20. We're going to start. Listen to this. Daniel says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sins of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord, 21, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. 22, he instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. 23, as soon as you began to pray, the answer was given, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Listen, God is faithful to provide what he promised when we pursue. Amen? Did, did you read 23? As soon as you began to pray, the answer was given. You know what? If we break that down in the Hebrew, Aramaic, as soon as you began, you know what that means? Gary, what that means? As soon as you began, right? As soon as you began, the answer was given. Look at 24. This is where it gets crazy. Listen to me. I'm going to need my math PhDs and scholars here. Verse 24, it says, 
So he's given the answer now. He's given insight to Daniel. He says, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin and to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. You need to understand that when they say a seven, it means a period of seven years. Some of your Bible says uh, a week. A week in Hebrew means seven years. So he says 77s are decreed for your people. Where the math heads at? 77s is how much? 490. Good, Hector. So he's saying there's 490 years that have been ordered by God to pay for your sins. There's 490 years that have to pass in order to remove your sin. Now, now listen to how beautiful this is. We talked earlier in Daniel how there were 490 years that the people of God did not observe the Sabbath rest for the land. So there were 490 years that they were supposed to take a break for a year on the land. And so God says 490 years that you didn't do it, there were 70 years in there that the land should have rested. I'm taking that back now. And so God exiled all of his people out of Jerusalem and he says, I'm going to take by force now the 70 years of rest. Okay, so there's 490 years that led to rebellion and God is saying now there's going to be 490 years that lead to restoration. Understand. I don't know why God likes math a lot, but he, but he likes math. So, uh, I, I hated math all my life. Now I'm starting to understand why, why it's important. Amen? Pay attention to math class, young people. You need it. 490 years is going to take to, it took for you guys to, to get to the rebellion part. God says it's going to take 490 prophetic years to get to total restoration. What does that mean? Check this out. Daniel, he, he's giving Daniel the full picture and he's giving us the full picture of what's going to happen through the book of Daniel. It took 490 to establish the rebellion. God says it's going to take 490 prophetic years to establish total redemption. This is God's prophetic clock. You need to see this in verse 25. He says, know and understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one comes, that's Jesus, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. Now God's really messing us up. Some of you just fell asleep, forget it. Seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. So, so God is talking about three periods that God is talking about here that is going to make up the 490 years of redemption. Listen, seven sevens is how many years? <coughs> Hector, 49 years. So the temple took, we read, the temple took 49 years to rebuild. And the temple had to be rebuilt so that the prophecy back in Malachi 3 that Jesus would come. In, and so, so the temple had to be rebuilt before the next prophecy could happen. That's what we're talking about, prophetic years. We're not talking about the regular day-to-day -day years. These are prophetic years. Things have to happen in order. Do you understand the whole testament pointed to Jesus? The whole Old Testament pointed to Jesus, told us exactly how it was going to happen, when, where, how, and, and the way it would happen, and it happened that way. Say amen. So he's saying there's, there, there, there's three periods, the seven years, 
Seven sevens, 49 years it took to rebuild the temple. Then there were going to be 62 sevens, or how many know that what that number is? We got some serious people up in here. 434 years, and, and we read that, in, that Jesus, the anointed one, rode into the city of Bethlehem exactly 483 years later, which means the, the 62 sevens and the seven sevens, 69 sevens. I know I lost some of you. But that event stopped the prophetic clock. Okay, so when Jesus rode into Bethlehem, into Jerusalem, look at I'm, I'm switching things around. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the, on the donkey, that, that stopped the prophetic clock. Now listen, it says, verse 26, after the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off. Remember, this is before Jesus, before anything happened. This is written way back, uh, understand? So he says, after the 62 sevens, the anointed one is going to be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who is to come, that's the word talks about the Antichrist that's going to come and rule the world. The people of the ruler who is going to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end and desolations have been already decreed. What does that mean? That means that two events had to happen after the 69 sevens, but before the 70th seven. The Messiah had to be cut off. How many know Jesus was killed? He was crucified. And he left no kingdom. There were no kingdom. So he was crucified. He was cut off and he had nothing. And then Jerusalem and the second temple had to be destroyed. Well, we know through history that the time was 33 AD, Christ was crucified in that time range. And the city of Jerusalem was demolished by Roman legions in AD 70. I'm sorry that this is a history lesson and a math lesson, but it's so crucial that we get this. Events, then there, so, so those events had to happen and they did. And now there are events that yet to be fulfilled. And this is, this is where it comes to us today, where it matters. Listen, the remaining prophecies refer to the last seven before the return of Christ. Listen to what the Word says is going to happen. And know that if everything else has already happened, I mean, you know, if everything already happened, I believe that the rest of it is going to happen. Amen? I have no reason to doubt that if God did everything up until this point to the year, that everything else is going to happen as well. That's why it's important that we get this. Listen. 27, it says, He, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Seven years. And in the middle of that one seven, he'll put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he's going to set up the abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. You got to get this. Watch this. The beginning of the final seven is going to start. The prophetic clock is going to start when the world leader says there's going to be a covenant that the Antichrist will make where there's going to be peace in the land. You know, the word says when you, we hear peace, peace, pay attention because that means the end is near. God wants us to understand the times. He doesn't want us to, to know the year and the date because then all of us will be living reckless until the day before. Right? How many of you know that's true? That's true, man. I've asked uh, like 47 youth groups in, in our career. I said, what would you do if you knew that Wednesday, that it was it, that Wednesday was Jesus was coming, that was it. They said, I live like a maniac till Tuesday. And it's true. 
Right? So God doesn't want us to know the hour or the time. So anybody that tells you that they know the hour or the time, they, 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 you know, they, I don't know where they're pulling it from, but it's not from the Word of God. Amen? So the beginning of the, when God starts that, that clock again, it's going to be when, when the Antichrist comes into power and says, peace, peace. And all of a sudden, the, the Antichrist is going to allow for the new temple to be rebuilt. What's going on right now in our land? The Jews have been trying to build the new temple, but the Muslims will not allow them to build it. Why? Because they have a land issue right now. There's a mosque that is built right now where the Jews want to build the new temple. There's a mosque called the Dome of the Rock, of, of the Temple Mount. It's called Haram Esharif, the Noble Sanctuary. I rebuke that. But that it was built, it's built there right now, and so that prevents ceremonial worship for the Jews because there's constant fighting for that land. Did you, do you hear in the news what's going on? That's, isn't that what's going on every day we hear about this? Where's all the terrorist attacks? Where's all this coming from? It's a battle for the land. It's a battle for a way of life. It's a battle for God. Do you understand what's happening? So the word says at the start of the final seven, the temple is going to be rebuilt meaning there's going to be peace between the Jews and the Muslims. It's going to be called, what the revelations calls the New World Order. How many of you heard that talk in the news lately also? That's been talked about, and the revelations talks about it. So verse 27 says, in the middle of that, this is what's going to happen. The Antichrist is going to allow for this temple to be rebuilt. The Jews are going to be so excited because they built this temple, which means now they could do their sacrificial worship again. You understand? We need to do the sacrifices to be forgiven. The, the whole thing that they did back in the Old Testament. They're dying. They need to do that again. So the Antichrist is going to come and say, yes, they're going to build a temple and they're going to start sacrificial worship to God and everybody's going to be happy. Then it says in the middle of the seven, three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to take off his, his wig and show everybody the real him and he's going to stop he's going to set up the, the abomination that causes desolation he's going to set up a statue some believe it was just like Nebuchadnezzar did the, he's going to set up a statue inside the sanctuary and have everybody worship him I got an amen even from the dog come on so he's going to set up the statue inside the sanctuary. Talk about defiling the sanctuary and defiling everything that the Jews consider holy. He's going to set up this abomination and have everybody worship it. And then from that moment on, he's going to start persecuting Jews and Christians, killing them. This is coming. Do, do, do we get this? Thank you. This is coming. Now... That, that's, that's the end of the last seven when it, when it looks like he's just about to totally wipe out every Jew. And the last seven ends with the battle of Armageddon. How many know what that is? That's when, amen, he knows. That's when Jesus comes with his people to fight all the, the one world army and we're going to battle and it's going to be done. Amen? And how many know who wins? Come on, we win. We win. The fight is fixed. If you want to bet on it, bet on us because we're going to win. Amen? So that's the end. And, and so it, it says just as it looks like the Jews are going to be totally wiped out, the second coming, Jesus comes. The end of the last seven, seven years altogether totaling the 490 prophetic years to full redemption. Now listen, family, I'm not telling you all this to try to scare you. I want you to be informed. 
I believe God wants us to know history. God wants us to know and understand and, and, and discern the times. Amen? How many of you understand when you start to look at these things, you see banks being swallowed up by other banks, and we see that we're losing all the options of different banks, and we're starting to get to where we have maybe one or two or three banks? Do you understand that that is the new world order coming into play? I'm not trying to scare you. I want you to be informed. Okay? Because, because when we start seeing banks close and banks close and banks close, and you see, man, there's only a little option, know that the spirit of Antichrist has come and is preparing the way. Because for the one leader to have true power, there can only be one bank, one world system, one world currency. How many of you heard of the, the dollars, how everything's changing? In Europe, we have the euro dollar. All the countries are using one currency now. We have the one dollar, and in South America, they're starting to gather with one dollar. Eventually, it'll be one world currency. Why? So that the Antichrist can say that you can't buy or sell unless you receive the mark of the beast. Come on, this is a history lesson, but it's good. We need, we need it. Amen? We can't just talk about cell phones and batteries. We got to understand the Word of God and really understand it and understand what's behind it. Amen? Is that all right? So the first temple was destroyed. The second temple was destroyed. But listen, Jesus became the final temple sacrifice. And when we walk with God, He says our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple. So what was the temple made for? The temple was a place to meet with God. The temple was a place to experience God. It was a place to pray, a place to worship, a place to have our sins forgiven, a place to experience the power and the love of God. That's what we were made for. Nobody's excited about that. That's what we were made for. We were made for that. God left us to be the salt and the light of this world. Family, I'm so glad that you're all here, but let me say this again. Once it gets to us, and once it gets in us, it's no longer about us. Amen? Will you stop sending complaining emails? Would you stop bickering about this church and that church and this leader and that leader? Would you just realize it's no longer about you? It's in you. It got to you. Now it's not about you. It's about you being the light and salt of the earth. Amen? I wasn't going to do this, but let me do this. Look, someone in the church had a dream, and it just fits so perfectly. How many of you know God speaks to us in dreams? If, if you don't believe it, you're in the wrong place. But you're probably also reading the wrong Bible, because the Bible, God spoke to everybody in dreams too, right? He speaks in dreams. God gives us. So somebody in the church had a dream weeks ago before I even got into this part of Daniel. And, and so here's the dream. I'm going to give you the dream. I'm going to ask Pastor Gary to come and interpret it. Get ready, Gary. Come on up. Grab the mic, Gary. Right there. Those of you that don't know, we have a, 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 on our website, or you could just, if you have a dream, and, and you know when you wake up from a dream and you know it wasn't bacon juice or nothing like that, it was just like, wow, God, why? You know, this incredible dream, you can email it to dreams at sanctuaryfellowship.org and, and get a response from the Word of God, not like pulled out of some psychic book or nothing like that. You, know, you understand? So here's the dream. Um, it, it was weeks ago before we started. They dreamed that Michelle and I stood before the congregation and said that we were going away for seven years. So he said that we were going away for a seven. 
And this person was totally distraught. They were, they were upset about it. They were hurting. And, and they went to a friend's house because many of the church people were gathered. And so they were eating and carrying on like nothing had happened. And this person couldn't understand how they could just go on like nothing after they just heard this shocking news. They were, they, they, we were going away for seven years. They couldn't eat. They couldn't continue. And they just couldn't understand why everybody else could. Second dream. A while before that, I had a dream. God gave me a dream that I was with my family in a car. And the place where we were, were was a big open space full of stores. And, and we were there, I guess, you know, there was shopping. There was tons of people everywhere. And, and we were in, a, in our little car. And, and we're there. And all of a sudden, all hell broke loose in the place. People started wilding out, going crazy. People started being violent and stealing things and abusing people and hurting people. And the one scene that was so vivid in my mind, this man, to steal stuff from a truck, he jumped on the truck, on the trailer, and he started peeling the metal off the trailer. And I said, God, that, what's, what's going on here? And, it, and it, it scared me. And so I said, I got to get my family. We got to get out of here. And so next to the car was this little African-American kid. And I tell him, boy, come on, get in, get in the car with us. I'll get you out of here. We got to get out of here. And he says, no, no, I'm not going to go. I said, please, bro, I'll take you home. I'll take you. You can't stay here. I mean, things were going crazy. I said, please get in, get in. You got to get in the car. And he said, no, I'm not getting in the car. And then out of nowhere, this tall Caucasian guy, he comes and he says, I'll get in. I'll go, you can take me. And, and I looked at him and I said, this guy doesn't fit in my car. I had like a, like a Yugo or something, right? I said, this guy doesn't fit in the car. And then he's with this little girl and she goes, I'll go too. And I said, but, but and I said, okay, get in. And, and, but remember my whole family's in the car, we're, we're full, the car's full. I said, well, get in. And somehow they got in and they all fit. And then when I look back at this guy, he, he's abnormally ugly. I mean like ugly that you got to talk about, you know? Like he had a, like a real weird, no. And I said, man, that guy is really ugly. I said, but, but he's in the car and we're in the car and, and amen, we all fit and we got out of there. We get to a place, um, later on we come out and, and, and well, that's not even important, but listen, listen to this. Come on, Gary. I want you to listen and see how this is so connected. And how God is speaking to us through the word, through dreams, through our prayers, through our time together. Go ahead, Gary. Uh, to explain the dream, I'm going to have to read a scripture. So I'm reading from Matthew chapter 24, talking about the return of Jesus. Because Jesus' disciples asked him, how will we know what are the signs that it's time for you to come back? Because we all know that Jesus left. After he died, he was resurrected. He went back up to heaven and he says, one day I'm coming back. But before that, the disciples said, well, how will we know that the, that the season is coming, that you're coming back? So in Matthew 24, 36, Jesus answered, no one knows about that day or hour not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. The Son of Man is Jesus. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. 
That how it, that's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man, or Jesus' return. Verse 42, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Verse 44, So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. His disciples asked him, what are, what are the signs that you're coming back? How will we know the time is near? And he talked about Noah's Ark. Some of you remember that from when you used to go to children's church or read children's book, but it's a real story. It really happened. Way before the coming of Jesus, God told Noah, he chose this man named Noah, and he said, because of the wickedness in this earth, I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to bring judgment upon the earth, but I'm giving you an assignment because God, the Bible says, doesn't want anyone to perish. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He wants, he, wants, he wants to gather as many people as he can before the end will come. And Noah, he preached, and he warned people, and he told them, and he said, get in the ark. Come on. You can be saved. Jump in the ark. Whosoever will, if you'll get in, you'll be saved. But the people, they just kept eating and drinking like nothing. And the end caught them unexpectedly. And this dream, the, the first dream, about the seven years where Pastor George and Michelle, where they said, where they announced to the congregation, we're going to be leaving for seven years. Now, that's not literal. Dreams, 99.9% .9 of the times are not literal. But when you have a pastor speaking in the dream, very often it symbolizes Jesus. And, and what Pastor George has been speaking about is a seven-year period called the Tribulation that's coming. See, right now we're in the age of grace. We enjoy the blessings of God and, and, and God's all over. But when the seven years that we're talking about comes, is all of a sudden you're going to see a lessening. I believe before that there's going to be a great move of God, a great revival. Many souls are going to come. But during those seven years, the, the Spirit of God is, is going to lessen for that period, and the spirit of evil, wickedness, is going to increase for those seven years. And what is the world going to be like? They're just going to keep living like nothing's, like nothing's happening. And, and what happened? The person who had the dream, they went to the church members, and you know what they were doing? Eating and drinking like nothing. They weren't concerned. And that's a message to the church of Jesus Christ, not just to this church, but to the churches throughout the world. You see, Jesus is coming soon. And you have been commissioned as a man of God, as a woman of God, as a child of God. He has commissioned you to go out and bring the people in. But what happened in the dream? Everyone was just busy with their own business. Everyone was busy talking and partying. 
and there was no real desperation. No one really cared that out there there's a lost world. Judgment is coming on the earth. The Antichrist is coming. Where's the desperation in the church? See, that's the heart of God in that dream. Where's your desperation for your family, for the lost, for your neighbors who don't know Jesus? And that's what the second dream was all about. Get, again, get the picture of Noah's ark. Remember God told Noah to build an ark? And he said, I'm destroying this earth, but, but I, I want to bring in the souls. So I'm anointing you, Noah, to preach. He gave him a hundred years to preach. Wow. And give the message that whoever wants to come, come. Everyone is welcome. Isn't that the message today of Jesus? That, that as, as a symbol from the Old Testament, the ark is fulfilled by Jesus because he is the ark. What does it mean? Amen. He's the ark. Everyone can come in. Everyone's Amen. welcome. And Amen. that's that car that Pastor George was driving in the dream. There was destruction all around. Things were falling apart all around. And he was driving in this car telling people, get in, get in, get in. Some people didn't fit. You know, there are some people out there, and you might think, I'm not going to tell them about Jesus. They don't seem to fit in. God's saying, call them, everyone. Some people got in the dream, a real ugly-looking guy, right? God, God wants whosoever. Yeah. We, we don't exclude the drug addicts, the murderers. That's right. God That's says, right. whosoever will come, there's, there's a place for you. Amen. See, and in the dream, here's the desperation in the heart of God. We're all sitting in the ark already. If you're a child of God, you're in the ark. You're safe. But where's the desperation in your heart yes, to yes, go back out yes, and take the fire yes, of God, yes, to take the spirit yes, of God, to, yes, take, to take the impartation, to take the worship, and go out, go back to your schools, go back to your families, and compel them to come in because the end is near. Amen. The signs of the times. The Amen. Spirit of God Amen. is, is going to decrease. And evil is going to rise. Brutality is going to rise. See, you don't have to worry. If you're a child of God, you're in the ark. You're safe. Yes. But what yes. about your Amen. family Amen. members? Amen. Amen. What about your neighbors, the people you pass every day, the people in the malls? God is saying, compel them, call them. You're all, everyone is welcome before it's too late. Because the Bible's saying there's coming a time when come it's on, too come late. On. Come on, come on. You need to start to get desperate for souls. Close it, close it, come on. We were made for that. You were made for that. We were made for that. Amen? We were made for that. Not to sit in a bless me club. Not to sit here and, and complain that somebody didn't say hello to me. Somebody, you don't matter. You already got it. You're already in the car. You were made for that. Get out of here and do something. Amen? Go ahead, Gary. We need to take this worship past the cell and get it out into the park. We, yeah. we need to take the yeah. prayer, the prophecy. Yeah. 
We need to take this preaching, take it into the malls, out in the corners. Compel them, draw them, whosoever. It doesn't matter what they've done, how they look. Maybe they don't fit in. Nobody wants them. We want them. We want them all. The kingdom of God. The Bible says the arms of God are wide open. But here's the question. That's God's heart. Do, Do you have the heart of God? The heart of God is not only about fellowship, and we need to do that. We need to get together, eat together, have fun together. But more than anything else, time is running short. We're seeing everything put together that these are the last days. Wickedness is increasing. People are starting to say, peace, peace. They've got a plan to bring the world together. But that plan is not from God. That's the plan from hell. So I'm calling you right now. I'm going to ask you. If if you're saying that I, I recognize that I was made for this purpose. To bring the very glory of God into the streets, back into the home back into the schools, back in your neighborhood. I want you to stand right now because we want to anoint you. Yeah, yeah. Look, before, before you even do this, watch this. Listen, too many people, and, and, and I, this, this gets under my skin. They tell me, well, I'm just waiting for an outreach. We need to be more outreach. We need to have more outreach. No, you are the outreach. Can, you, can we get that? Yeah, yes, we do need outreach. And yet, I, I, I thank God that we have Pastor Gary as the associate because that's his heart, to be in the street, to do outreach. That's not me. I'm, I'm about building us up. I'm about strengthening us up. And I'm so glad that God gives us that balance. But, and, and so we are going to have outreach. But I wanted this place to be ready first. I wanted us to be ready to accept people. I wanted us to have something to give people. I wanted to see if the sanctuary was going to be a place where, where we fight for our seats and if somebody comes in that doesn't look like us that we'll we'll snub them or not and and so before we go out there i wanted to make sure that this was good amen but when we go out there and do those outreaches and come in this summer we're gonna we're gonna do it i believe we're gonna have the bread factory in that park i'm just decreeing it during the summer we'll have it in that park and and man we're gonna do a lot of things but but listen the reality uh, is that doesn't win the world to god how many of you have came through an outreach like that in the street? Look around. Where are the hands? Where are the hands? There's 250 in here. One, two, that's it. Came from an outreach outside. What does that mean? The rest of us got here through one of us. That's outreach. Amen? That's what we were made for. You were made for that. Go ahead, Gary. Preach. Anoint that. If you're saying today, I hear the heart of God for these last days. His heart is for souls. We we don't talk a lot about hell. Because we like to focus on heaven and the good things and the goodness of God. But it's a real place. And the time is running short. Maybe a few years ago we could be comfortable But the signs of the times are evident. The Bible says you could see the weather. You know when it's cloudy, it's going to rain. Well, we see the signs of the times that Jesus is coming soon. 
And then the door of the ark is going to close. You see, with Noah, it came a certain point when the ark closed. The door closed and it started to rain and then people tried to get in. He said, no, it's too late. The Bible, Jesus said, the hour is coming when no one could work because darkness is coming, night is coming. So he said, be desperate. So if that's you, if you're saying, I'm going to be a soul winner, I'm going to take the Jesus that's in my heart, the fire that's been burning in me even during the worship time, the blessings of God, and I'm going to share them with my family, my friends. Just wave your hand before the Lord right now. That's, that's Christianity. That's what being a Christian's about. See, otherwise, as soon as you got saved, God might as well kill you and send you to heaven where you got no problems. Why did he leave you here on earth? So that you can touch your neighborhood. So you could bring them in. So, Father, I thank you, Lord God, for a company of soul winners. I thank you for evangelists, Lord God. I thank you that each one here, Lord God, will go back to their home, go back to their families, go back to their schools, go back to their jobs, and tell them, and tell them all that God has done for them. So I just release in you the very power. I release in you the very fire of the living God. I release in you signs wonders and miracles and I charge you today heal the sick preach the gospel raise the dead cast out demons I charge you and I release to you the supernatural power of the living God the very fullness of the spirit of God the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.